What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Casual Big Ten Podcast. Today is Wednesday, July 26, 2023. We've only got two more teams to cover. It's Rutgers and Northwestern, but on today's show, it's all about Rutgers. Full disclosure, peel the curtain back just a little bit. I asked a bunch of people to come on the show that I respected, that I thought had good opinions about each team. I got two responses from Rutgers, Aaron Brightman and Richie Schneiderite. Both said yes. I wanted to interview them both, so I did. That means today I'm dropping a double album, two episodes about Rutgers football, depending on which one you clicked on, because I'm not recording this intro twice. (laughs) Depending on which one you just clicked on, you're either about to hear from Aaron or Richie. Had a great time talking to both of them. Um, You'll hear all the things that they do within the Rutgers football community in just a few minutes, but thank you so much for watching this. I would listen to them both. I'm going to. I'm going to listen back to them both. We recorded a few weeks ago, so some things may have changed, you know, in that, uh, you know, maybe transfers have happened since then. I haven't really been keeping track. In fact, I'm recording this a few weeks ago from when it comes out. So some major stuff might happen even from now. We'll see. (laughs) But I had a great time with Aaron and Richie. Uh, Hope you guys enjoy whichever one you clicked on. Like I said, listen to them both. We talked about a little bit of the same stuff, but we switched it up too. So I'm just going to give them their full episode, put them out separately, and uh, I hope you enjoy uh, some Rutgers football talk today. All right, joining us now is Richie Schneiderite. He is at Rivals Richie on Twitter. He's also a co-host of The Night Report by the Believe Podcast Network. And he's joining us today to talk about Rutgers football, what we can expect this year, and some things that have been taking taking uh, place this off season. Richie, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Eager to talk some uh, some Rutgers football in June. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about your show first. Um, I listened to a couple episodes yesterday. Mm-hmm. This time of year, it's really kind of focused about the recruiting stuff. But in season, what do you guys kind of get into, and what's been going on on the show lately? Yeah, so we're only about a year and a half, two years old now for the podcast, but uh, it's it's grown exponentially over the past couple months. Um, it's kind of kind of exploded for the most part, but right about now in June and uh, in May, it's mostly recruiting stuff. Um, whether it be prospects committing, prospects taking official visits. Um, I know Rutgers is now up to seventeen total commits in the twenty twenty four class. They're ranked twenty uh, ranked the twenty one twenty first best recruiting class in the country right now. Um, so they're on, they're on a tear right now. They've, uh, yesterday was the fourth time this off season since they got multiple commits in a single day. So Shiano and crew, um, despite there not really being much football being played up here, um, they've, they've been dominating in terms of recruiting and it's not really stopping anytime soon. It seems like when I was listening to the show yesterday, your guys' most recent episode, uh, the, the tagline I kept hearing was it was a kick in the balls. Like if someone is leaving, <laughs> The yeah. program. So as far as the portal and uh, and the, I know that recruiting and the portal are kind of connected in that way. Um, are you more excited about the recruiting stuff? And is that kind of overtaking what's been happening in the portal on your end? Um, so it's tough. I mean, I kind of I'm OK with the way the portal set up currently. Um, and it definitely makes a total difference because now you can kind of pick and choose your roster a little bit more with experienced guys. Uh, we we've seen a couple couple people leave this offseason for Rutgers, whether it be right ta- or starting left tackle Willie Tyler, 
mostly backups though for the most part and they've all transferred down a level minus tyler but uh they also brought in some really good prospects they brought in multiple wide receivers a d2 all-american and jaquay jackson Nassim brantley who's out of uh i think it was western illinois he had a pretty good season mine uh prior to his foot injury but um both of those guys are going to be immediate impact dudes and then they just brought in the tight end sean bauman out of uh out of maine who i know people were thinking like hey d2 transfer a main transfer western illinois but these guys are skilled players and at the end of the day in my opinion skilled players are skilled players no matter what level right. they're at so d2 all-american i think he's going to translate pretty easily um the scene brantley had 600 something yards last year. I think he'll translate pretty easily. And then Sean Bauman, the most recent one, uh, is ranked among, I think it was top 50 tight ends in the country when it comes to FBS guys per PFF. So I think all that's going to translate pretty easily for uh, Scarlet Knights on the field this season. That's awesome. Uh, before we started recording, you mentioned that you've been at a <laughs> lot of the practices. I didn't mm -hmm. send this over to you in the notes, but I did want to bring this up. According to ourlads.com, everybody mm -hmm. on your offensive line is either a senior or a junior. So you got a really kind of not old, but experienced, I would call it offensive line this year. How do you uh, see that impacting the team this year um, on the field or how have so, you seen it impact at practice even? Yeah. So uh, I mentioned it before they did lose their left tackle and Willie Tyler to the portal, but it's, I'm going to, I hate to say this about people, about players specifically, but I'll say an addition by subtraction because he, he just wasn't that good last year. Uh, there's no secret about that. So they're going to bump Holland Pierce over from right tackle to left tackle. Okay. He's been right. He's been a sturdy right tackle for the past, I want to say three seasons now or two seasons. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a monster. He's like a six, seven, 325 pound, uh, left, uh, offensive tackle. He, uh, he actually came into the program at like 380. So he, he's lost some significant weight. He's, uh, he was one of those guys that was actually preferred walk on and ended up just, turning his body into something completely different. And now he's probably their best uh, offensive lineman. They also have Ireland Brown, who's been a pretty consistent center. Curtis Dunlap's a former four-star uh, Minnesota transfer from two seasons ago. Mike Chifani is a converted D lineman, transfer from Temple, then transferred to Colorado State, and then transferred to Rutgers. So wow, goes, goes to show you how the way the portal works kind of nowadays. But uh, now they do have a lot of experience but they also have some youth and it sounds like Tyler Needham's kind of taking over that right tackle spot. I know he's a third year player technically, but he hasn't seen many snaps at all. So this is going to be a, an interesting season for him specifically. I know they want to add another tackle to potentially start over him, but we'll kind of wait and see what happens there because uh, the way the portal works, it's uh, if you don't have NIL, it's, it's going to be pretty tough. Yeah. I think I think that that experience will be helpful this year, and I think it'll impact the offense in a positive way uh, once we start the season. Mm -hmm. um, I did want to talk about. I've, I've been asking everybody about coaches at the beginning of every show. Uh, Greg Schiano, um, obviously, everyone kind of knows his history. Was there, left, came back, um, mm -hmm. has been there now for the last three seasons. He's twelve and twenty-two over the last three seasons. What's the overall feel from the fan base and maybe even you specifically on the job that uh, Coach Chiano has been doing? Yeah, so, I mean, you've, you've talked about it and uh, all the coaches that have been at Rutgers, you kind of mentioned. Uh, so Chris Ash was here before Chiano and the program was an absolute mess. Like, there's, there's no way around it. They were getting blown out left and right. Indiana would come to town and, and, and beat the heels off of them. Like, it was, it was, it was ugly. 
So it, it is a complete rebuild. I don't expect Shiano to turn it around day one, day two. We're talking seasons, I guess it's season four now, or yeah, season four now. So it, it, it is tough. I think he's starting to get it in the right direction. They're starting to win more games. They won five games uh, two years ago and made a Gator Bowl. Mind you, there were certain circumstances where Texas A&M had to bow out due to COVID restrictions and all that, but they did make the Gator Bowl. Um, in year one, he did win three Big Ten games when it was a Big Ten-only schedule. Uh, last year, there were some struggles, but it seems like he's kind of adjusted a little bit when it comes to the coaching staff. He went from like a younger coaching staff, which was filled with a lot of good recruiters, to now more experienced guys. With Kirk Shiraka, they stole the offensive coordinator from Minnesota. They added Pat Flaherty as the O-line coach, who's a 40-year coaching veteran, has two Super Bowls under his belt as the offensive line coach for the Giants. Um, Dave Brock, a former Rutgers OC and former NFL wide receivers coach. So they're kind of uh, kind of shifted their focus completely when it comes to assistant coaches. So I think this year um, it's definitely going to be a lot different, and I think that it's, it's going to take some time. Like the Big Ten isn't easy, and the Big Ten East is arguably the hardest uh, division in all of college football. Yeah, I can't argue with that at all. I think that uh, I like I like Cociano a lot. I I was talking about this before, but I think that he just bleeds Rutgers football, and he you can tell he really cares. So it's hard, like if he has a bad season, to say like you know we want to get rid of him or anything like that because you know how much he cares. And I don't think there's anyone else out there that is suited for the job other than him. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, even looking at like when Chris Ash got let go, looking at the uh, potential head coaching candidates it just kind of looked like there wasn't really an answer and honestly no one's won at Rutgers other than him so it just it kind of just says a lot about him and he's a Jersey guy through and through he knows how Jersey operates he knows how New Jersey works um he's recruiting really well whether it be in-state via the high school route or the portal um all the high school head coaches are super respectful of him um and and he's coached a ton in the Big Ten so if anyone knows how to how to win and how to win at Rutgers and how to win in this conference. It's, it's going to be him. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned recruiting. Um, you know, you probably know more about Rutgers recruiting than anyone that I know for sure. <laughs> for people who aren't following Rutgers or who don't watch every game, when they turn on a Rutgers game, is there a guy that came in this year um, that you haven't mentioned yet? Maybe one or two guys that are going to have a positive impact on the team immediately. Um, that's a tough one off the top of my head. I mean, they brought in an interesting, uh, Florida cornerback who's going to play some significant snaps in Bo Mascow. He, he's, a just a really good prospect overall. And they beat out some big 10 schools for him, whether it be, uh, I think it was an Iowa lean at one point. Uh, he also had Indiana, he had Illinois, a bunch of Midwest offers, but he's one to keep a close eye on. Um, looking at the list right now of incoming freshmen, uh, Ian Strong is a kid that's really not talked about enough. He's a St. Anthony's high school prospect out of New York. I think he was only ranked a two-star, and I'll be honest, I, I don't make the ranking, so I feel like that was a criminal ranking for him. Yeah. Um, he's He was a two-way player, and there was a big debate among the coaching staff. The wide receivers coach wanted him on that side, and the DBs coach wanted him on that side. So it was really tough because he did play both at the uh, high school level. And he's going to start out our wide receiver. And it sounds like he's already making a, uh, some significant inroads and will be probably a top five, top six receiver for the program this season. So could he play both in college. I guess he could, but it's just so it's so unlikely nowadays. Maybe yeah. unless you're a Travis Benjamin in Colorado. But uh, 
that that's about it's about the extent of that. I don't think he's going to, but I think he's going to be a really damn good receiver. And he reminds me a lot of a, a former Rutgers receiver who also could have been a successful DB in Muhammad Sanu, who obviously made the NFL and I, I still in the league today. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about the scheduling format right before the uh, right before we started recording. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit of off-season news for the Big Ten in general, and I kind of wanted to get your feel on what you thought of getting rid of the divisions. Uh, you mentioned the Big Ten East being so difficult for Rutgers mm-hmm. and for anyone, really. It's hard to win yeah. the Big Ten East. Going away from the <clears throat> divisions, it's going to free up the schedule a little bit, make it a little bit more flexible. But on the flip side, it's making it, in my opinion, harder for other schools to make it to that Big Ten championship game because you have to beat out uh, 15 other teams now or 16 other teams, however you look at it, to get to Indianapolis. How do you think that affects Rutgers uh, starting next year? Well, I think for starters, it's it's no secret that, like I said before, the Big Ten East is it's a, a dog fight. It's not, it's not even fun from Rutgers' perspective or Indiana's perspective or even Maryland's perspective. It's a, it's a four-horse race, and it is every year. So now getting rid of that definitely helps a little bit, but you're also going to add two significant programs in USC and UCLA, so it also hurts their chances of getting to Indianapolis. End of the day, um, in terms of scheduling going forward, the first two years of that, that flex opponent, it sounds like Maryland is the full-blown rival of Rutgers mm-hmm. at this point, which, which is good news because those teams battle it back and forth. Um, whether it be one year Maryland wins, one year Rutgers wins, then two years Maryland wins, and two years Rutgers wins, et cetera. Um, but then you get Penn State and UCLA in the first two seasons. It's going to be tough because Penn State's um, trending upward. UCLA, it's it's hard to gauge them every year. Yeah, But it, it's kind of funny because I don't want to say Rutgers gets the short end of the stick from the Big Ten, but I feel like as a newcomer in the, one of the bottom-tier football programs currently, they kind of do because year one in 2024, when that new Big Ten schedule comes out, it's the same exact Big Ten East schedule, except they replaced it for Rutgers at least, except they replaced Indiana with UCLA. And it's like, it just got harder somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought lack brutal, of, I thought lack of divisions would change that. So year one, it's definitely not going to be easy, but we'll just wait and see. Um, like I said, Shiano's got the program in the right direction. So. It's uh, it's definitely not going to be easy, and uh, he's not one to back away from a challenge. So, yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens in twenty twenty four and beyond. I think it's great for the Big Ten overall, but I uh, I think like you said, some of the programs that aren't vying for a division title at this point, it's making it even harder for them once it starts. Um, yeah, I do want to focus on this year uh, before I let you go. So, um, starting this year, we don't have we still have the divisions this year. We still have <laughs> same scheduling format going this year. Um, under center this year, I, I'm hearing that Gavin Wimsat is going to definitely be the starter. But when I was doing my research on this, uh, the starts and the games that were played last year, him and Evan Simon had like almost identical stats. It was like jarring to me to look at their <laughs> stat lines. Um, eight games versus nine games, 777 versus 757 on the yards. Five touchdowns versus four touchdowns. And really the biggest difference for me that I saw was that Evan actually had a little bit better of a uh, completion percentage when he was throwing the ball. So who do you want to start? Who is going to start? And um, how do you feel about the quarterback position starting out this year? Uh, Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be Gavin Wimsat. I know Shiano hasn't officially announced a starter. It's still an or battle between Evan Simon or Gavin Wimsat. 
And like you mentioned, they they definitely have identical stats last season. Heck, um, they, they were almost rotating. Or actually, they were rotating um, each series at one point. There was actually one series in the Boston College season opener versus Rutgers where they had three quarterbacks in at one series, and it was the craziest thing I think I've ever seen. I remember and, uh, that last year because I was trying to pin down like who was the quarterback last year, and every time I watched the game, it felt like there was somebody new under center, and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a big reason why Sean Gleason is no longer the offensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they uh, identical numbers for the most part, but I do think Wimstead has the higher ceiling of the two. He's the more dual-threat quarterback of the two as well. Now, don't get me wrong. Evan Simon does have some wheels, and he kind of proved that a little bit last season. But Wimsat is the true definition of a dual threat. Um, the fact that he can make plays with his legs should open up things more. And we saw glimpses of it versus Boston College again, uh, where he ran for like 60-plus yards on one uh, one QB draw. Um, and we've, ne- we've never seen that in Rutgers football history, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, they've had some dual threats come in and, run like sneaky packages, but it was more like a Jabu Lovelace would come in and it's like, yeah, we know he's running. Like he's not the starting quarterback. We know what he's doing, but uh, this kid's completely different on top of his running ability that should open up things. He also has a cannon of an arm. Is it the most accurate arm in the world? No, not even close. Actually, it's, it's been pretty inaccurate in uh, the past season and a half, two seasons, whatever you want to call it. Um, but with a new OC um, at Rutgers in Kirk Shiraka, who's coming over from Minnesota, he's done the job before at Rutgers under Greg Schiano, actually, back in 2009. It um, should be able to help fix some of that stuff and kind of help slow the game down a little bit for Gavin. Um, help him go through his reads a little bit more because he does tend to walk onto a single receiver and throw it at that receiver no matter what, and that was a big issue last season. But with a new OC in Kirk Scirocco, who I believe is actually probably a top 20 OC in the country, I do think that Wimstat will have a much better year. In terms of how much better, that's the big question. And it also determined if it's to be determined if they can block for him. If you can't block for your quarterback, there's no point in, right. in judging really the quarterback. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see if he can, you, you know, like I said, last year you're watching and you're seeing different quarterbacks. So it'd be nice if mm-hmm. Rutgers can just stick with one guy and kind of go through with that and see what they can do through the course of a season when that starts. Speaking of the season, let's take a look at the schedule real quick. Um, one of the things that I pride myself on is sticking by a take. Once I put it on Twitter, I'm staying by it um, no matter what. So I'm going to be honest. I, I picked Rutgers to finish last in the East this year. I only have them winning two games, um, and that's the uh, two of the non-conference games. Uh, mm-hmm. Sands, the Virginia Tech one, I have you guys losing that one. Um, convince me that I'm wrong about that while we go through that schedule. I'd like to go through it like with four games at a time. So you guys okay. start out uh, Northwestern, Temple, that Virginia Tech game I just mentioned, and then you have to travel to Michigan. How do you see yourself starting out the season? Um, ideally in a perfect scenario, you're three and one after that start. I don't know if that's going to happen either. I think Northwestern, I think you should be able to be, I don't think they're very good. I think they're probably the bottom of the big 10 West. Did they add some weapons in like a, a Brian, a kid from, uh, geez, where Ben from Cincinnati. Yeah. Ben Bryant. Um, I want to say bear Bryant. That was, that was almost really bad. Um, (laughs) but yeah, uh, yeah. so they, they did add a, a pretty solid quarterback recently, but I still don't think that changes the outlook of the season. Pat Fitzgerald, great coach, phenomenal coach. He's probably a Northwestern lifer at this point. But um, something about Shiano in the first game of the season and leaving teams kind of unpredictable on what they're going to do, 
has always led to them getting early season victories. Like if you remember his first day back or first game back versus Michigan state, mind you COVID season, a little weird, Mm -hmm. but they had seven uh, turnover four seven turnovers against Michigan state. And all of a sudden they got their first big 10 win. And it's like, Whoa, what just, what just happened? Like (laughs) that was crazy. What? I'd never seen anything like it. Um, So he does tend to surprise teams on that early season. So I think that's easily a win temple. I don't think Temple's good. I don't think Temple's going to yeah. be good anytime soon. Did they almost pull an upset on Rutgers last year? Yeah, that, they did, and that was a little scary. Mind you, this one's a home game, night game, blackout for Rutgers. Combine that atmosphere with a new-look offensive coaching staff, which I mentioned before, of veterans. Um, I think that they should be able to win that one. Now, here's the litmus test, in my opinion, is Virginia Tech. They weren't a great team last year in year one under Brent Pry. Will they be better? I would probably say yes because it is year two and he gets more of his guys and his and his guys in his system learning his system in year two. So I do think that's going to be a really tough one. The only thing Rutgers has going for them is that it's a home game and it's not at noon. I hate noon games personally, but <laughs> the fact that it's a three thirty game should get a better crowd uh, yeah. overall. And if you're two and zero going into that game, it's it should be a actually a really good crowd to be honest with you. That's going to be the litmus test if they can pull that one out then you're probably three and one after week four, because I just don't see any way in, in hell that you're touching that Michigan team. Um, It'd be great gonna, though. It would be phenomenal if they could pull it off, but in Ann Arbor, uh, noon game and against Blake Corum and that running back group, yeah. it's like, eh, probably not. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, the next four games, you do come back after Michigan and you get Wagner. Um, and then you have Wisconsin, on the road. I'm making sure I get these right. And then you're yeah. back at home for Michigan state and then back on the road for Indiana for the next four games. How do you see that shaking out? Uh, Wagner's won like two games in the past, like six, seven seasons or something like that. This is just, uh, I actually, from what I've been told, it's more of a favor game to kind of give Wagner some money and Hey, mm. come play us, blah, blah, blah. Um, they, like I said, they're just, they're not a good team whatsoever. Yeah. Um, they, I think they have a new coaching staff actually too. Um, I don't monitor too too closely, but uh, they did have a really good wide receiver last year, but he's also transferred out. So just the way the portal works, if you're good at that level, you're going up probably. So yeah. that's a win. Wisconsin, I, I can't see them winning in Camp Randall. Um, I know it's a new coaching staff and it's completely revamped roster for the most part. I'm actually really intrigued by that Wisconsin team because I think year one, they can surprise some people, especially running an air raid, which is going to be so weird to watch. Mm-hmm. Um I think Phil Longo is a top five OC in the country, and there's there's no doubt about it in my mind. Combine him with Luke Fickle's defense, and it's like, oh, okay, now we're talking about a really good Big Ten squad. Yeah. Big Ten squad. So I don't see them pulling that one off. Mel Tucker, Michigan State, they're almost like a rival, not rival at this point. Rutgers won, like I said before, they won their first uh, series between the two in uh, 2020, 2021, and 2022. I believe Michigan won both. Michigan State won both of those. Mel Tucker's got this weird thing where he's kind of taken Greg Shiano's mantras and all of a sudden last season we saw really? it. Now, yeah. So they're, they're pitching the whole keep chopping thing. And I'm like, all right, I get other programs use it too. Like Florida state uses it in a different, different way. They say chopping or whatever the chop. Um, but yeah, he started using keep chopping and everyone kind of called him out for it on social media. So it's a little like hatred between those two right now. We'll see if it turns into anything. That would be ideal for Rutgers' point of view. So, so but, uh, some context on that because uh, my best friend's a Michigan State fan and alum. Um, he 
they call the stadium that they play in for no reason whatsoever. They call it the woodshed. And I asked them last year why they call it that and did not have an answer. (laughs) Because it's like brand new, I think. I think Mel Tucker just steals everything. And I'm surprised he's still there, to be honest, because minus Kenneth Walker that one season, the man's a con man, in my opinion. (laughs) They can't get rid of him, though. I said the contract's brutal. Yeah, I don't no, know why you signed him they, to they're it. They're stuck with but, him. And now you're banking on uh just them basically just adding transfer portal guys to every yeah. year. And it's make or break, I guess, for them. But I do think Michigan State will end up winning that game. It is Rutgers homecoming? And I think there's a little like like I said before, there's a little bad blood between them, and that's kind of why they're like, you know, put on homecoming. Like, let's try this. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. But Indiana's probably the last, I'll say, winnable game on the roster or on the on the roster on the schedule. And that's pretty much it for those four i think indiana's hit or miss sometimes they're good and recently they've been really bad under allen uh but he's he's turned it around a couple seasons ago so we'll, we'll wait and see you to see uh kind of figure out what that team is i think they got connor basilak out of missouri as their quarterback now so i think he's a really good quarterback personally but is he going to turn around an entire indiana team that's been pretty bad for the past two seasons no he's going to need some help there so i think that one's pretty winnable so I'll just go out and say that's probably win number four right now after eight games. When I did my uh, Big Ten East preview episode, I was talking about uh, how many games Rutgers have that are just toss-ups, and you're not really going to know what's going to happen until you watch some of these other teams play and Mm -hmm. and to see what Rutgers is going to do, obviously. And the one that I have circled the most is the Michigan State game, which we just talked about, but also Indiana. It's like back-to-back right there. That could be two and zero. It could be zero and two. It could be one. It could be anything because you don't really know what you're getting out of those two teams. And like I said, you don't know what you're going to get out of Rutgers. But you guys do finish the season with an absolutely brutal four <laughs> games: um, Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, back to back to back, and then um, the Iowa game. I believe I believe is on the road, and so is Penn State. And yep. then you come back home to finish with Maryland, who's also pretty good. So, um, do you see a win in that last four games? Uh, I'll be honest. No, I think Ohio State is is Ohio State. Iowa is, mind you, all really bad offense. But um, you think they'll be a little bit better than last season at the very least. And they did beat Rutgers last season with that terrible offense. So, and that was, mind you, a home game, uh, night atmosphere. So everything was kind of going in Rutgers' favor, and they still weren't able to pull it off. Uh, Penn State, I think, might be a serious contender for the college football playoff this season. Um, so I'm just going to say no on that one. And then Maryland, I think you'll just be beat the hell after those three matchups. And I get it's a rivalry game, but they're, they're actually not a bad team. And with Talia as quarterback still, they're, they're going to be a really potent offense. And they added some serious weapons via the portal to help him out. So I, I just don't see it happening. I think Indiana's your last chances for a victory at this, at that point in the season, which would kind of stink because that's uh, mid October for the most part. So if I if I did this right, I think I have you guys at what would that be five and seven then? Uh one two three. F- I I have four because I think yeah four wins because it'd be Northwestern, Temple, Wagner, and Indiana. Oh, okay, I thought you said Virginia Tech. Maybe I guess I Virginia Tech's a tough one. I, I'm I'm it's such a, that one's a true toss up in my opinion. I think they could win, but I'm gonna say right now they don't. Do you go to all the games or do you uh, yeah. just like circle a few or are you at all of them, even home mm-hmm. and away? uh not away away i'll kind of uh 
I'll reach out to some of our other guys throughout the rivals network and see if they can cover. Um, but occasionally I'll go to a couple, like I'll, I have like right now I have Penn state circled on my list. Mm-hmm. I was going to go to Michigan this year because not many chances for Rutgers to go to Michigan in September where it's actually decent out. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, my cousin's actually getting married that day. So that's going to be a little tough one for me, but, uh, I, I am looking into getting either to Indiana or Wisconsin this year, just because uh, probably Wisconsin, because I don't know the next time they'll be, they'll be in Wisconsin. So I'd like to see, uh, check out all the stadiums. Plus you get the press box view, which is always nice. And yeah. uh, you get to try out all the foods and everything like that and travel. It's traveling. Yeah. You know I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, maybe I'm by myself or with the other writers, but it's still, it's still pretty cool to experience some of the uh, other stadiums throughout the big 10 and see what, uh, what the tailgating scene looks like a little bit. Absolutely. Too. Absolutely. Anytime that you're traveling to go watch a football game, that's a win. That's a win oh, weekend yeah. right there. Uh, Richie, thank you so much. Before I let you go, uh, tell everybody where they can find you, get more information about Rutgers football, Rutgers sports in general, and uh, where they should seek you out at or listen to you even. Yeah, so um, I'm on every social media platform at Rivals Richie or at Rutgers Rivals. Um, we do a, at this time, at this point, it's like a weekly podcast on Rutgers, uh, Rutgers athletics in general, whether it be recruiting team news, et cetera, that's all over YouTube, Instagram, uh, we're on Spotify, Apple pods, all that good stuff. But our, our main site is uh, Rutgers.rivals.com, AKA the night report, which you mentioned before. Uh, we have a message board, which is the pop, most popular Rutgers message board on the web. Um, our site's filled with all times, all types of scoops, whether, like I said before, recruiting visits, recruiting, uh, scoops in terms of commitments, upcoming, um, schedule tidbits, roster tidbits, et cetera, et cetera. Anything Rutgers, you just check out that site and I guarantee you it's on there somewhere. So awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right. We're back. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Which one did you listen to? Did you listen to Aaron? Did you listen to Richie? Are you going to listen to both of them? I know that I am. Can't get enough of Rutgers football, man. Let's let's listen for a whole hour today. You know, each one of those interviews were about 30 minutes. Let's do an hour. You know, if you just finished the first one, don't waste any time. Matter of, don't even listen to the rest of this outro right here. Just click on the next one. Go listen to whoever you haven't listened to yet, man. Rutgers football, can't get enough of it. You can't get enough of any football this time of year, right? I'm excited. The season's about to start. We got one more episode for teams. It's Northwestern. You don't want to miss this one. I had Tommy Hook on. My boy, he's live in the studio from Nashville, Tennessee. He came here. And then on Friday, I got a surprise guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is. You'll have to tune in. We'll see you guys in the future. 